Hello and welcome to Naples United Church of Christ. My name is Reverend Dr. Sharon Harris-Shewing. Whether you are joining us via broadcast, podcast, or here in the sanctuary, we are grateful to have you worshiping with us. My name is Sharon Harris-Shewing. For those of you who don't know me, uh, I am a member of this congregation and I have served um, on the staff briefly a few years ago. I want to thank Ronnie Ballone for serving as the liturgist for this service, not just for what she is doing that you will see, but also for the time I know she spent preparing for today. As most of you know, Ronnie is currently our church moderator, but she has served in many leadership roles over her years here at NUCC. In fact, she was one of the very first people that I met when I came in 2016 to a class that Bev Duncan was teaching. Uh, I suspect many of you also were introduced to the church through Ronnie. Thank you, Ronnie, for all you do. Thank you, Sharon, very, very much. I want to extend the warm welcome that Sharon has extended, and also to welcome those of you worshiping from Arbor Trace and Bentley Village. I hope you will all take a moment to register your attendance with us. You know the drill. Um, if you're here in the sanctuary, please find the blue registration pad, register your attendance, pass it down the pew, and I encourage you as it comes back to look and see and make sure you know the names of the people who are worshiping beside you. And if you're online, please use the comment form um, online to let us know where you're worshiping from. Today is Communion Sunday. For those joining remotely, please take the opportunity to prepare your communion elements so that you can join in communion with us later on in the service. Pastor Angela Wells-Bean is out of the office for two weeks, um, but Rich Kirshner, who's here this morning, and I um, will be on call for pastoral care in her absence. Um, so if you have pastoral care needs, please call the church office and we will be responsive. Um, Angela is at the General Synod meeting of the UCC, and then we'll be having some family time away. So now, let us center our hearts and minds as we prepare for worship. Welcome to worship today. Even when things get hectic, always know you, that you will find welcome, hospitality, and friendship here in this place. Come, let us worship the God who always welcomes us. Everybody, welcome to the house of the Lord. Come, come. Let us open our hearts to Christ, who welcomed friend and stranger alike. Come, let us worship together. I ask you to join me in the unison invocation found in your bulletin. Almighty and all-merciful God, we have gathered here in this sacred space to worship you. 
We give thanks for the promise that you accept us just as we are, with all our joys and sorrows, affirmations of faith, and nagging questions. Help us to feel your presence and to be transformed by the power of your love made known to us in Jesus the Christ. Amen. Please join your hearts with mine as I offer this morning's pastoral prayer. As we remember the birth of our nation and the gifts of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, let us lift up our hearts and prayers to God. For the women and men who braved the long journey by sea to come to this new world seeking freedom from oppression. For the tribes and nations who inhabited this land for generation upon generation. For the patriots who dreamed of and fought for a new nation. For the men and women who laid the foundation of our democracy and who pledged justice and liberty. For those who built this country brick by brick, road by road, and town by town. For the brave soldiers who have fought for our country, for all who have paid for our freedom by their service, and for those who paid the ultimate sacrifice. For the innovators and artists, poets and teachers, farmers and factory workers who provided for the common good. For our own community, for those who came before us in this very place, and for our neighbors, both near and far. Lord, we pray for the United States that we might always be a nation where all are free to worship and pray according to their own conscience, that we might be a beacon of freedom for those who live under the shadow of racism, anti-Semitism, and all others marginalized or bullied that those who are elected to lead and govern would be guided by you and be ever aware of the trust that has been given them, that we would be a people who love all our neighbors as you love us and who always return to you for your help and your grace. Gracious God, creator of all lands, prosper our work and increase in us your grace and compassion. We pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the risen one who first taught us to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 16 to 22. 
If you'd like to follow along, the scripture is printed in your bulletins. So they sent their disciples to Jesus along with the Herodians saying, teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. This concludes today's reading of sacred scripture. Today I want to talk about something that is rarely talked about in church. I do so with some, what the Bible calls, fear and trembling. But I cannot be silent. And fair warning, I'm going to ask you not to be silent. I believe that Christian nationalism is currently the greatest threat to our democracy and to the church, indeed to the integrity of our Christian faith. What is Christian nationalism? What's the problem? The Baptist Joint Committee on Religious Liberty, or BJC, explains Christian nationalism is a political ideology that, quote, seeks to merge Christian and American identities. It demands that Christianity be privileged by the state and implies that to be a good American, one must be Christian. It often overlaps with and provides cover for white supremacy and racial subjugation. End of quote. At the risk of oversimplification, Christian nationalism asserts this country was founded to be, and we should declare that it is a Christian nation. America is a chosen nation favored by God over other nations. Christianity is the true religion of this nation, rightfully esteemed over all other religions. The church of the separation of church and state is a myth, even a mistake, something that never intended by the founders. True Americans are Christians and usually white. Public education should be based on and teach students traditional, that is, Christian values. In the words of one Christian nationalist, 
Christians have an obligation, a mandate, a commission, a holy responsibility to reclaim the land for Jesus Christ, to have dominion in civil structures, just as in every other aspect of life and godliness. It is dominion we are after, not just influence. End quote. Now note that all of this assumes a monolithic Christianity, a singular set of Christian values that they believe should be enshrined in law. Values that include, for example, banning all reproductive rights or denying the human dignity and equal rights of LGBTQ individuals. Some of these assertions are simply factual errors. The Treaty of Tripoli was ratified by the U.S. Congress and signed into law by President John Adams, effective June 10, 1797. It stated unequivocally, the government of the United States of America is not in any sense founded on the Christian religion. The First Amendment makes clear that the government may not establish or privilege any one religion over another or even over no religion and that all people have the freedom to practice their religion as they choose as long as doing so does not infringe on other people's rights. Other Christian nationalist assertions are revisionist history, myths that are harmful to particular groups, such as religions other than Christianity, people of color, or the LGBTQ community. Okay, but how does all of this hurt the church? First, it distorts and corrupts our faith. In the words of BJC Executive Director Amanda Tyler, Christian nationalism is not the same as Christianity. It demeans Christianity by using it as a proxy for a set of political positions, implying that one must subscribe to a certain set of Christian beliefs to be a true American. Those who say we are a Christian nation and then seek to impose our Christian faith on others disrespect and make second-class citizens of our neighbors of other faiths and no faith. Those who use Christian faith as a reason to discriminate against some groups, and they do. They betray Jesus' commandment to love our neighbors as ourselves and his message that every person is our neighbor. Those who say that America is blessed by God above other nations reveal an arrogance that runs counter to our Christian belief that God created and loves the whole world and all who are in it. 
Our Christian faith is about following Jesus and worshiping the God whose love was revealed in him. Christian nationalism looks nothing like Jesus. Second, Christian nationalism promotes idolatry. The sin of worshiping anything other than our God. When our Christian faith is merged with our nation, we run the risk of losing sight of what our faith is and what it asks of us. We run the risk of worshiping our country rather than our God. When our Christianity or when Christian identity is conflated or fused with our American identity, and we assume the values of our faith are the same as those of our nation, we lose the ability to separate our allegiance to Jesus the Christ from loyalty to our country. The passage that Ronnie read is probably familiar, but we don't talk about it a lot. The people around him were trying to trick Jesus, to trap him into saying something they could question. You can almost hear the sarcasm in their questioning. Teacher, we know that you are sincere, and you teach the way of God in accordance with truth. And show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? They were sure that they had him. Because if he said yes, then he was expressing support for the Roman Empire, which oppressed the Jews. But if he said no then he was denying the authority of the government. Jesus knew their game, the text calls it their malice, and called them hypocrites. Then he asked them to show him the coin used for the tax. They brought him a denarius and he asked, whose head is this and whose title? They answered, the emperor's. He said to them, give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed. They left and went away. Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. It was a stunning response to a trick question. One powerful sentence. Give, therefore, to the emperor, to the government, to the nation, the things that are the emperors, the governments, the nations, and give to God the things that are God's. Giving what belongs to God alone To anyone or anything other than God is idolatry. What belongs to God are our hearts, our ultimate trust, our deepest faith, our praise, 
and our worship. What belongs to the emperor, to the state, to the country, includes taxes, of course. But more than that, it is informed participation in and protection of our democracy. Allegiance and loyalty to the ideals for which our nation stands. Yes, we can be patriotic. On this Independence Sunday, it is appropriate to sing My Country Tis of Thee, Sweet Land of Liberty, to celebrate the freedoms we enjoy, especially our religious freedom. It's appropriate to give thanks for those who founded this nation and for all the ways our life together is good and even improving. It is also essential to recommit ourselves to doing the work required to keep it moving forward toward the liberty and justice for all to which we pledge ourselves. It is not appropriate to give to our leaders or our nation the worship which belongs to God alone. It is not okay to so entwine church and state, religion and government that we can't separate them or that we worship our country as much or as more as our almighty God. I've painted a a stark picture as if Christian nationalism is obvious and all we have to do is reject it. But in fact, it is not widely understood or obvious. Occasionally, rarely, a person will say, I'm proud to be a Christian nationalist. Far more often, Christian nationalist views are subtle expressed in ways that may even seem harmless. A law is passed that says every public school classroom must display the words, in God we trust. Who's God? What about atheists? A school board member repeatedly argues that we need to return to teaching traditional values clearly referring to conservative Christian values. What about all the non-Christians in our public schools? A candidate for public office asserts that the reason for the many problems of our society is that so many people are unchurched. Does that mean that the Jews and Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and people of no particular faith, all of whom are unchurched, which is to say they do not attend church, does that mean they are the cause of today's problems? The good news is that more and more Christians are recognizing the danger and speaking out against Christian nationalism. Faith leaders, including John Dorhauer, our outgoing UCC general minister and president, faith groups, and interfaith organizations. 
I've taken the time today to try to define Christian nationalism so that you will be more likely to recognize its presence and influence. If you see something, say something. If you see or hear echoes of Christian nationalism, speak up, speak out. As Christians, I believe we have a special responsibility to call out Christian nationalism, to condemn it precisely because it is a distortion of our faith and a form of idolatry. If you see something, say something. Today we gather around the Lord's table, invited by Jesus to break bread together with the promise that he is here among us. For me, this is the perfect example of how the values of our faith in Jesus are completely different from the values of political power and ideologies. Here, all are welcomed, just as we are. Here, we all humbly confess our unworthiness and accept the gift of God's amazing grace. Here, we share the gifts of grape and grain, and our hearts are filled with wondrous love, love so amazing, love so divine, love that demands our all. Amen. Go forth from this place, fed by the presence of Christ at this table, transformed by the power of God's love made known in Christ, and sustained every day and every way by the Holy Spirit. Amen.